Lawrence, man, thank you very much for coming on the show. I appreciate this, dude. No worries at all. You're very welcome. It's, uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. We've been meaning to do it for a while. It, yes, and it just hasn't It hasn't been the case, but the stars are finally aligned and we're here, and I'm happy as hell, man. So, listen, you've recently got back from Dubai. Yep. It looked absolutely insane out there. The setup this year was, like, bigger and better than ever. What were your kind of views on the whole event? How do you think it kind of ran compared to last year? I know there was... There's been a few technical hitches both years, um, but how do you feel the two have compared? Do you feel the comps got better this year? Oh, definitely. Um, the guys out in Dubai are fantastic, and they're really passionate about growing the sport, growing the event, and just making it bigger every year. Um, and obviously this year was no exception. There, Like you say, I mean, last year the show went on way, way too long. I think we, we didn't get back to the hotel till sort of four in the morning. It was just... In, you know, it was just not ideal for top-level athletes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I had, I had a good performance last year, and I enjoyed the show. But um, I was glad to be a part of it this year as well. Obviously, kind of currently injured, not competing. Uh, it was nice to still be involved and, and be out there enjoying the, the whole experience because these guys, unlike any other show, I mean, we get looked after well at the Giants live shows and even, like, you know, uh, some of the other promoters. But these guys kind of went above and beyond to sort of make us feel comfortable. You got like proper, you know, you felt like a real kind of legitimate top level athlete. You sort of put up in a really luxury hotel, getting picked up in fancy cars. You know, my family were looked after the whole time, which is very unusual. Normally it's just, you know, the athletes that get looked after. So in, whole, in kind of terms of the whole experience, it was brilliant. You know, guys brought their families with them. For me, that was a nice thing as well. I could take my family. If I was competing, I wouldn't have taken the kids with me. Uh, because obviously when you're competing, you, you're kind of tunnel vision. You're focused on, on, on the job at hand. But obviously I was just doing commentary this year and I could just go and enjoy it, enjoy the experience, take the kids with me. And, it, you know, it doesn't matter if they're playing up because I'm, I'm not competing. Yeah, 100%. And how... How does it feel being sat on this side of the fence this time, kind of looking in? Because I always feel like when you're in and amongst it, it's very much a different vibe than when you can kind of sit on the outside because you kind of see how things are playing out differently and you're not quite as emotionally attached. So how did that feel? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you're competing, you've just got kind of blinkers on and you're focused on one thing. Whereas I've sort of, I've got a bit of experience now on being kind of both sides of the kind of fence. You know, obviously competing as an athlete, but I've done a lot of work now the other side where you're sort of doing commentary meet and greet stuff and, and you're not sort of in there as an athlete you know i've been to britain's strongest man europe's so a lot of the big shows as competitors and more as like an analyst and, and kind of the behind the scenes stuff so and you do you realize how much goes into a show when you're not competing when you're there as an athlete literally like i said you want to know the events you want to know the start time you want to know warm-up equipment and that's it you don't care about everything else that goes on behind the scenes you don't care about the kind of problems going on and i mean just one of the problems these guys had their their internet provider was kind of messing them around just like before the show and they had to spend about a grand on a on a satellite just to have some internet pro provided for, for you know the, the, the um, live stream at all so you know I, I didn't even know about that until afterwards because they're just running around trying to sort things out and as promoters you know things happen last minute I've, got, I've promoted a few smaller scale shows and there's always issues going on when you're relying on other people to sort things out for you it's always difficult but they, they got through it there's things that can definitely improve um there's a couple of issues maybe with like some of the weight selections on a few events that i personally thought 
need to change? Oh, if you're gonna miss... would that be the yoke by any chance? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and I was I was one of the few people that kind of voiced my opinion on it uh, beforehand. And the only reason being, I think if you're going to put that much effort into making such a good show, make sure everything is kind of spot on. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's minor things, you know. The, the, the show is brilliant. The guys behind the show are so passionate and keen to make it bigger and better every year. Uh, they've got good investment to, to kind of, you know, back it with some decent money. I think right now it's it's the highest paid strongman show in terms of prize money, which is obviously going to be a, an appeal to all the guys. You know, we all want to make money. That's just, you know, that's just natural. And in a, um, in a sport like strongman where money isn't particularly uh, out there, even a professional league like, you know, when you kind of, we go back to the beginning and you said that it was it felt like you were being treated like a legitimate athlete and to be sat here and looking at you being like, but dude, you're like, you're <laughs> so well known in Britain as a strong man. You're like literally a family face and to still for a strong man to still not be at a point where that is just the common ground is just so freaking bizarre. It must be yeah. one of the only sports left now where you've got guys that are doing like, bricklaying and plumbing during the week and then they're like hopping off to like central europe to go and compete at like ultimate strongman championship and you're like what how how are people doing this well it's crazy i mean when i i've been lucky enough to see the growth of strongman since i started obviously to where we're at now where we're starting to get to a more professional kind of level but i mean when i started i worked three jobs you know people kind of say oh it's, you're so lucky you're a professional strongman blah 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 when I started out, I was working three jobs. I was getting to the, I was up at five o'clock in the morning, working different jobs, training in the afternoon, and I just did it because I loved it. No other reason at all. There was no ambition to be like a professional or anything like that because there just wasn't any, any money in the sport, you know. Other than maybe getting to world strongest man and winning that, you may. I think back then, if you won world strongest man, it's probably about thirty or forty thousand dollars to win world strongest man. If you didn't get through your group, you would have lost money being there. <laughs> you know, it's um, and that's the the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, I think when I first won Britain's Strongest Man, I got a, a grand for winning it. So you know, nothing wrong with winning a grand. It's a nice little extra bonus, but you're not going to make a living off that. Whereas now they're starting to get a bit more professionalism in the sh in in the sport. Some of the very top guys can do it full time now. There's more kind of companies involved in the sport as well. Back back when I started, there were you know there was no equipment makers and stuff like that. It was people just making up their own kit in a yard somewhere. There was no like loadable equipment and you know the, the nice kind of stuff we have now in almost like most commercial gyms have some form of strongman equipment, whether it's like some loadable farmers or or something or a log. You know most gyms now maybe a sandbag have like some of the basic stuff, and obviously you can you can pretty much get anything you want built now. Yeah. And there's companies, you know, Cerberus, the SBD, you know, companies back in the sport that are actually investing at Rogue with the Arnolds. You know, there's, there's money going into it now. And hopefully for like the next generation of guys, it's going to get better and better and better. But yeah, I, it, certainly when I started, it was just a bit of fun. <laughs> you know, I just love training. Always have still love training now. And it was just like a personal challenge to see how good I could get. Yeah, well, it's really interesting that you say that because I feel like if it's a case of that you you can't physically be in it for the money because the money isn't there, I feel like then it has to come from a place of passion. 
And I think oh, if definitely. it comes from a place of passion, then you're so much more willing to succeed. You know, I think there's going to be more people that as the sport progresses, you're going to have those people that are in it because they're going, oh, like I see the lifestyle that Eddie Hall's leading now. This looks really cool. And it's like, ah, you don't understand. There's, buddy, there's to too get many to people that. doing that right now. I, I see it too much on social media where too many people think they're going to become rich and famous from doing strongman. If you want to be rich and famous, do something else because there's much easier ways of doing yeah, it. Yeah. Take all the money you have, go into a casino and put it on a number because you've got just as much chance there as you do anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the way I kind of, you know, describe, other than kind of like now where you've got maybe the Stoltmans that are sort of getting to that level, Graham Hicks is sort of at that level a bit now. For the last 10 years, you've had like myself, Terry Hollands and Eddie Hall are the only three guys that could legitimately call themselves professional strength athletes um it's starting to improve a bit now you've got like tom stoltman getting to that kind of level hicksie still works but he's not sort of making a name for himself now as well luke still works but he's making a name for himself but there's not many guys that can legitimately say you know they're an eddie hall or a thor bjornsson and even those guys have used the fame that they've got in other ways you know thor's made his money more through game of thrones than he has through strongman sure he's won some great prize money and stuff but not legitimate kind of money that's going to set you up for life. So I still feel right now you're better off. You know, I get guys all the time. Oh, how do I get sponsored? You know, what, what can I, I want to be a professional athlete. How do I get sponsored? And they're not even at a level where it's worth even thinking about sponsorship. You know, I, I'm not saying if someone offers you some free stuff or things don't take it, you know, by all means, take it and, and help yourself. I, I, if you're going to get free stuff, look at things like food, recovery treatments you know if you can get like a free massage once a week or something like that those are the things i would go for over supplements to be honest but um yeah i, I would tell any kid out there get a job you know do this as a hobby and progress you know if you do progress to that kind of level then you you, you kind of you, you'll get there and you'll appreciate it more anyway because you've got that kind of you know you understand the value of money whereas too many people now want everything handed to them on a plate they just want to be given it and it's, I'm not saying everyone, but I see a lot of it. And it's, it's frustrating because I know how hard it is, you know, <laughs> at the, the, the very top level. And um, I think some people are sort of misguided on what kind of being a pro strongman is all about. Yeah, well, I think you just, you've just got to look at it. You know, I'm lucky in the sense that I can reflect on being a competitive strongman from a grassroots level is that, You've just got to look at the numbers in the novice category versus the inters versus the open versus elite. Do you know what I mean? When you when you've got 30, 40 competitors at a novice level, but yet you've got maybe two guys that are turning up for the opens competition, it's a case of the all of the guys that don't have it just get weeded out because you cannot sustain it at that level. When you're putting your body through that every single week, you know, you've got it's to ridiculous. love it. Yeah, you have. I mean, people always ask me why I keep coming back from injuries and stuff like that. And the honest answer is I love training. I love challenging myself. I love what I do. And because I've always loved it, I'm not afraid to sort of sit down and kind of work out ways to improve, get better, look at new ways of recovery, you know, look at improving technique. I'm always like, you know, analyzing stuff and trying to improve and think about why things happened, et cetera, et cetera. And I think if I just sort of gave up, I, I, <laughs> I, I have to have some kind of challenge. You, you know, I challenge myself in lots of different ways, but strength training is just something that I'm passionate about. And I've, I've always been, even since a young kid, just fascinated with strength and, you know, big, powerful guys like superheroes, you know, that kind of thing. And um, 
it's funny because I watch the old Strongman and I, the, the shows and I kind of look up to them and I, they're like my heroes. Whereas now they're just my competitors, so I don't care <laughs> so much. But um, I, I still kind of like, I met Magnus Samuelson a few months back who I actually was lucky enough to compete against in one of my first internationals. But I got a chance to really sit down with him and he was one of my heroes growing up. So it was quite cool to, to meet him and he was a really cool guy with it. So it was nice. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think it's... Uh... It's really interesting, kind of, when you look back now, uh, I was speaking to Craig Tolley about this when we did our podcast, and you look at the the strong men that people kind of really idolise, like the Jeff Capes and all, all, all that lot. When you look at the weights that they were pushing up then, which was just, it was just groundbreaking at that time, you never ever saw that, and yet you're not even opening with that weight. You're opening with heavier weights than those guys were competing with now. Yeah. It's just freaking progressed. crazy that the level that we've got to now. Where do you think it goes from here? I, I still think Strongman's a young sport and it's going to keep evolving. I've really noticed the last sort of year, the standards jumped up again. I think, um, you know, guys like Hafthor took it to another level. And then you've got like these young freaks like Kilius Koski coming through now. Uh, the Stoltman brothers have both stepped up this year. They're doing exceptionally well. You know, you've got guys like Lissis, who's unbelievable. And there's just, you know, there's so many amazing strongmen out. There's always been good guys in the past, but now you've got so many good guys that compete. And it's just getting harder and harder. I think, I still think at his best, if he's injury free, Thor's the, the number one guy in the world right now. But then you, I, I'd probably put Kiliaskowski as number two, which might be controversial because I think he can just compete and compete and compete and still be good. Whereas Lissis, I think needs to prepare very well for shows. Yeah, I think he's an exceptional athlete, but he needs that preparation time. Whereas I think Kiliuskowski could just chuck him in a comp and he'll do well. And I feel like with Lissis is that his body needs to be in good condition. Like he needs to have a good run up. He needs to be injury free. You know, he's naturally a smaller guy. He's extremely dedicated and smart with his training and, and, you know, motivated, but he's not that freak of nature like those guys. And it's, it's, you know, it's motivating to see how well he's done, but he certainly needs that recovery time and, and, you know, the smart training to peak at certain times. So how do you think the the road to Thor's return is going to pan out? Obviously, Kiliskowski now with slight bicep tear from, from, uh, was uh, Ultimate Strongman over in Dubai. Um, how do you think it fares now? Is it kind of uh, is it kind of level playing fields now? We've got Lisi's getting over injury now, Kilikowski and Thor. It's kind of like oh well, this is now opening the door again for someone else to step in. I think yeah. I mean, I think that's just natural for strongman, especially these days. The comps are, are so heavy, firstly, and there's a lot of competitions as well, and you just cannot stay at your best all year round. You know, we've seen that clearly this year with various people getting injured, people having to miss competitions, have time off. I think now you'd be stupid to try and compete in everything. You know, it's it's too hard to, especially as you get older. I think you've seen like um, Novikov has just done absolutely everything. <laughs> I was literally about to say, I feel like someone needs to be showing this to Novikov because I feel like he's done every single competition every weekend for like the past like eight months. It's I ridiculous. I early on in my career. And, you know, if I could have talked to my younger self, I would have made sure I didn't do that. I even remember having a conversation with Eddie when he was like on the way up. I was saying, don't do the same thing that me and Terry did. You know, pick your shows, be smart about it, peak for certain shows. And, and you know, he did, he did that and he, he was smart with it. The guys that compete regularly, 
end up destroying themselves. You know, you look at like Christoph Radzikowski, who competes all the time. He's struggling big time now. Frankenstein now. Belsack's the same. You know, he's got some serious issues that he's struggling with. There's there's a handful of guys like that. And then there's loads of guys that just come and go because they've done so many comps. Within two or three years, they're finished. I think now you've got to really be smart. You've got to look after your body. It's something I sort of push on a lot of my clients. I've got a lot of youngsters that I'm training, and they all want to compete all the time. And I'm not letting them. <laughs> and they, they think I'm being horrible and mean half the time, but it's really not that. I'm trying to protect them and prolong their careers and make sure they have that time in between competitions to actually make some progress. Because sometimes when you're just competing all the time, you're just trying to recover from show to show and, and just get yourself ready for a show. You don't have time to improve weaknesses and, and get better. It's why now I'm sort of a lot more patient. To prolong my career, I'm quite happy to miss shows, you know, and all right, I'm injured right now, but I, I'm happy to miss shows and, and you know, peak for certain times rather than just competing everything yeah you, it's it's almost like you don't have that fomo anymore it's not a case of that you're constantly like oh well i need to do this show because i need to do this and this and this i remember when i was younger i thought you know if i missed the show that would be it you know you've forgotten about but one thing i have learned is that i don't mean this in a nasty way but people are quite fickle and forget things very very quickly so you know, once one show is done, we just move on to the next one and the last one's forgotten about. So I've learned now that it really doesn't matter. You've only got to do it for yourself. I'm not trying to impress anyone else. Yeah. I'm competing to do it and I, I love it. And I still believe I'm capable of doing some good things, but I've got to be smart with it now. You know, I'm, I'm 37 in December. I've been doing this a long time. So I'm still not like in terms of age, I've still got kind of a few more years, but I've been doing it a long time. So my body's gone through the mill if you like yeah. but i think it's if i'm smart pick one or two shows a year i can prolong my career for another few years yeah and, and just keep enjoying it I, I sort of i feel if i'm going to compete i want to compete at a high level and, and certainly be able to hit pbs winning shows is always great but if i'm not performing at my best then i'm going to lose interest so for me i, I don't want to sort of do you know, step, there's no point in me turning up to like a, an open comp in the uk competing against some up-and-coming guys and being happy that I win that show, you know, even though it's 20% off my best. I've got no interest in doing that. I'd rather compete against the best guys in the world, legitimately kind of, you know, hit PBs and still be competitive, or it's time for me to stop. And I'll focus on, on training some of the youngsters. So I've got to see how I recover from injuries and stuff like that. But if I can't do that, then I, I've got no interest in just making up numbers and, and just going to shows for the sake of it. So, uh, when Big Loz is choosing which competitions to do, what's on the what's on the list? What are you looking at? What's your your yearly selection? How are you how are you planning that? The, the big shows that I, I will look at are things like um, Europe's Strongest Man. Obviously, you know I'm I'm quite fond of that one, um, and uh, I, I, the, the competition in Dubai is another kind of comp that appeals to me. Um, I'd like to have another crack at the British at some point. I'm not going to be able to do it in January just because it's going to be way too soon in terms of me being competitive. And some people will say, oh, you're, you're kind of scared or, you, you, you know, honestly, I'm not scared. They're also the... stupid, so they yeah, can honestly, shut the fuck up. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to... I've got food coming. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. So I've got... Um, I've got no interest in turning up, making up numbers. I know right now I'm not good enough to be competitive. I don't need to prove that, <laughs> you know, and I'd rather give someone else, one of the up and coming guys, that spot. So, you know, it gives someone else that opportunity. If I'm going to go there and be competitive, 
and, and be at my best, that's a different thing, you know, a different matter completely. But I'm, I was told initially it's going to take me a year to sort of recover from my Achilles. I've entered Tattooed and Strong, which is a, a push-pull powerlifting contest in March to give me something to train for. There's no movement involved. Feet planted on the floor, I'm absolutely fine, so I can start building up some kind of like deadlift strength soon. And, um, you know, benching's fine. But it's going to be coming to the, the, the moving events, the overhead, like where you're sort of push-pressing and you're getting that explosive-type movement. That's going to take a bit of time. Confidence on, on yoke and, you know, farmer's walk's going to take time. Uh, and things like truck pull is going to be very scary. So I can't rush those things. I need to, like, you know, get my strength up first and then hopefully – maybe summertime I can look at competing in a strongman competition again. A hundred percent. So when you're now looking at those competitions, do you, do you think it's now going to be a case of that you're going to want to choose competitions that are going to have less of an impact on those areas of weakness? So kind of picking and choosing saying, okay, well actually this competition, this has this pull, it has a really heavy yoke and actually maybe that might not just be the smartest move. Maybe it's better yeah, for me I, to I, just I taper it back. I'll definitely have to look at events and, um, you know, it's one I've said openly, I'm, I'm probably not going to compete a world's strongest man again. I want them to change a few things. Um, but since I've said it, it's kind of made me relax a bit more about competition because I'm not focused on winning world's strongest man anymore. I can openly say that I've backed off and focusing more on coaching athletes and just enjoying my training. And obviously with worlds, you kind of don't know the events till quite late. Sometimes I change things last minute and that's, that's fine. You know, I've been used to that for years. It's not an issue, but I, I, I think cause of the stage I'm at in my career, I want to be able to sort of pick and choose the shows that I do a bit more, try and find events that I'm, you know, I, I would love for my foot to improve enough to really have a crack at maybe a yoke or a, a, the car walk world record again, because Kilius Koski obviously beat my car walk world record this year. I have only done the car walk twice, and both times I broke the world record. So the last time I did the car walk was in 2016. I'd love another crack at it, um, but again, I've got to see how I improve because I tried a hundred kilo yoke a few weeks ago and I was terrible. <laughs> so it's um, it's not really realistic at the moment. But I feel if I can re recover. And, and train for it. It was something I'd like a, 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 an opportunity to do. Um, I still want to try and, you know, put a 200 kilo log overhead in contest. I still got a goal of trying to deadlift a thousand pounds in a strongman competition. So I've got personal targets that I want to focus on rather than just winning shows at the moment. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think it's also been proved with, with guys like Hicksy, you know, they're kind of, going off having these big major surgeries coming back and saying look i'm giving myself kind of we spoke to delroy mcquinn on here not too long ago and saying you know we're going to give ourselves three years and each year we're going to do this we're going to go up a stage and we're going to be smart about our programming and we're not going to say right i want to be back competing at you know world's world's strongest man level within the first 18 months because then you yeah. just rush your body you pick up more injuries along the way and actually and I'm, I'm not even kind of going to pick crazy numbers. I just want to go there. And my goal will be to beat what I did in 2015. Oh, I think it was no, 2016 I did it, didn't I? What was that? Tattooed and Strong. Yes, 2016. So 2016 I did um, Tattooed and Strong. And I, I won it that year. And I think I benched 210 and deadlifted 385. So my goal is just to creep up on those numbers. I'm not going to do anything kind of crazy. Um, you know, I, I feel I'm capable of a lot more at my best 
but whether I can get there that quickly is, is another matter. So now I'm just kind of focusing. I'm actually competing in the under 140 class to give myself a target to lose some body weight. I sort of feel like I've been lazy since I've, it's literally this week I've started. I sort of entered on the weekend. I was like, right, I need a target to give me some motivation to get into the gym and be good with my nutrition and, and eating. And it's, um, you know, it, it, I'm always better with a goal. So doing the powerlifting, I can control the numbers. Whereas in a strongman show, numbers are set. You know, if it's a 600 kilo yoke, you've got to get under a 600 kilo yoke, whether you can do it or not. Whereas in a powerlifting comp, I can pick my numbers. I can adjust them if I need to, you know, depending on how training has gone. And it's just a competitive environment, but without the crushing kind of events that you have in strongman. It just, just goes to show, ladies and gents, how ridiculous Strongman is that the fact that you're entering powerlifting competitions as a break and to ease your body gently back <laughs> into Strongman, you're going to go through a powerlifting meet. That's yeah. that's just how utterly ridiculous the strain oh, and stress on your body is. With Hixie, and you, you know, you've seen what he's just done at Big Dogs. Wow, by the way. I mean, Hixie. Oh right. my God. Incredible numbers, man. Incredible. But it just shows Strongman are capable of. You know, and I, I love powerlifting. Gym, I, I love all strength sports, to be honest. But without question, I think the strongest men on the planet are strong men. It's their ability to adapt to so many different things. You know, we have to squat on a slanted car park floor <laughs> in, in, a, in a rack that you can hardly get your hands in. You know, whereas a powerlifter wants a perfect flat floor with a monolift and, you know, perfect kind of environment. And, and that's, you know, I totally respect what they can do. But honestly, if we're talking raw strength, I think strong men are, are the best. They're they're so good at so many things. Yeah, and I, yeah. It's just a multifaceted sport, isn't it? There's, you can't be weak anywhere. Kilos, you know, in a powerlifting comp, no problem. Whereas I don't think there's that many guys totaling a thousand kilos that in powerlifting that could cross over to a strongman contest. Well, well, there's certainly many. With especially with the you know the mobile exercises, just the the trunk strength that you have to have, and the power in your hips as well. You know, as as strong as powerlifters are, it is all static weight, and and yeah, it's going to transition across. But I tell you what, I'm, you I'm can not, move I'm a deadlift is good, but yo, well, story. You know, I genuinely do love it, but I just think strongman's harder, and I, you know that's why I'm doing strong uh, powerlifting as a to ease myself back into com competition. So with your weight, where are you currently sat at now? And in your head, what are you aiming to get to? So I've entered the under 140 kilo class. I weighed myself on Monday and it was 161 kilos. So I've got Ooh. 21 kilos to lose. But, I, you know, realistically, it's more getting, getting to about 145 and then probably water cutting to, to, to make weight. Yeah, 100%. When I, when I deadlifted 435 in 2014, I weighed 142 kilos. So at that kind of weight, my deadlift normally is, is better because mechanically I'm, I'm more efficient. So is that just because you don't have the extra weight getting in the way? It's easier to yeah. get into your position in the hole and so squat and my um, pressing when I, my weight comes down, but my deadlift normally gets a little bit better. That's very interesting, and uh, I think it's interesting to kind of talk about this now that we're seeing this transition again. I'm speaking about it again with the aesthetics coming into strongman. It's a case of the these big barreled gigantic men aren't quite so common anymore and we're getting these 
young chiseled athletes that are coming through that are kind of bringing a different crowd and a different attention because that um the professionalism is improving so much you, you know guys are taking everything a little bit more seriously i mean i'm sat here eating steak asparagus and oven cooked chips which for a strong man is is all right some people say you shouldn't be having chips but oven cooked chips for a strong man <laughs> you need carbs and you know protein oh, yeah. but um it's, you know, the things I need to avoid are sugary type things. You know, that's that's what doesn't kind of help me in terms of my lifting. And I just tend to get fat <laughs> when I focus on those. And that's what I've done since I got injured. I've like lost focus on my nutrition, just eating what I want, eating less quality food and less food in general, but got fatter. <laughs> yeah, and also you're not training as much, you know, you're not putting your body through all of those stresses that you would have done usually, you're not getting your heart rate up as much, you're not getting out of breath as much because you don't have the physical mechanical capability to do that, especially because yeah, it's your lower body as well, you know, if this was a wrist or something that you'd still be able to do like belt squats or something, it's a different story, man, but when you're talking about lower body, it's so hard and that's why like the road back from injury is so difficult because mechanically with uh, an ankle or an Achilles, you know, everything's on top of that you've got to make sure that the structure in the knee is still there you've got to make sure that's tracking properly you've got to make sure the hips are healthy it's the hardest kind of injuries to recover from um and i'm still kind of early days but it's it, mentally it's very very difficult and is More that just physical. because you feel like you just you want to be doing stuff and you can't or what yeah i'm impatient <laughs> uh well i'm not too bad i know people that are a lot worse but Obviously, you, you know, when you're at a certain strength level, you like being at that strength level. And kind of, you know, right now I feel like I'm a pipsqueak. I'm clearly not. But in terms of my top level strength, you know, I have to be patient and I have to understand that it's going to take time to get back to that level. It's so, it's so amazing, isn't it? Like, I know that you say that, but it's so funny because I sit here and I, and I think about stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, if I'm having a really bad time and I'm like, oh, man, you know, just I can't deadlift today. I'm so weak. I'm so pathetic. And then I'm like... That's so strange because the fact that you're saying the exact same thing, but yet you're, the the weight that you're struggling on is probably like well over my max, and it's just all about yeah. perspective. Do you know what I mean? It's so ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. and I'm sure there's some guy that's trying to pick up an empty box, going, "Jesus Christ, this is so heavy. How do how do you do this?" And it's like, it's "Oh all, man, even the strongest men in the world have this problem." <laughs> it's all relative, you know, and that's you know, like it goes back to me saying earlier, I could go and compete in like an intermediate or, or an open level competition. And yeah, I'd be fine. But that doesn't interest me. I want to be at my best. So, you know, I, I could I could go and you know, squat 320 or de deadlift 320 and, you know, you can compete okay at a certain level. But you, you, you bring a 320 squat to an open, uh, an international level comp, you may as well not go out there <laughs> because 400 is the opener usually these days. It's just the standard is just insane at that top level. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. And I think it's it's really interesting because as the sport's growing, we're getting people that are coming across from all different walks of life and we're finding about all these different freaks that are creeping out from rocks across the world that we're finding about. <laughs> you know, guys like Iron Bibby that are coming out yeah. of, you know, uh, this desolate land. He's got absolutely nothing to his name and yet this, this guy comes out of absolutely nowhere and blows everything everyone's mind is just the most genetically gifted man i think has ever seen strength sports i mean if this guy has just an ounce of coaching behind him i think there's just i don't understand how 
he can't do incredible things. Oh, I, I would genuinely love to coach that man. I just feel with a small amount of technical kind of improvements, he will be a freak of nature. What do you feel like he's missing? What do you feel like his major downfalls are? Because I feel like that there are a few areas that kind of tend to keep on cropping up for him. But I'm really interested to hear what you have uh, have to say from a coach. Well, firstly, his deadlift is, is in terms of top level strength is weak. That's the you know his deadlift, but with legs like his, deadlifting is not easy. <laughs> And if you, if you watch him deadlift, he's actually very powerful off the floor. He just has ridiculously big legs, and he just needs a little bit of tinkering with technique to help him lift in in a style that suits him. Where he really kind of lacks right now is, firstly, technique on everything. He's just raw power. When you watch him on overhead, like dumbbell pressing or anything, he lifts with brute strength. There's no finesse, and there's no kind of – I don't see much kind of thought process into his kind of training – I just think he's just a freak of nature that just picks up weights and, and lifts them. Even when you watch him on like his log lifting and stuff like that, it's just brute strength again, shoulder power, tricep power. There's no thought in terms of using your whole body and, and yeah, you know proper farmer boy style, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm all, I'm kind of completely methodical in terms of my training. Every single rep from the first warm up set has to be the same. You know, and that's something I kind of try and get into all my clients is making sure they understand everything needs to be working together whether it's set number one or if, if i make someone push press i don't want them strict pressing up until 100 kilos i'll get them push pressing from the start so you practice the whole mechanics of the movement and i just think he needs a bit of that he needs a year of kind of maximizing that strength because he's ridiculously strong i've never seen a man press 200 kilos without warming up before <laughs> you know well, it's, and it's 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 everything as well it's his unreal frame the way that he can carry his body, the fact that he is so agile and he's so mobile, and you know, you, you know, you're talking about the 200 kilo overhead press. I mean, it was basically him lifting it off of his chest and then him limboing under the bar and then standing yeah. up with the bar. I mean, he, he almost bent in half to try and get into that position. But a little bit of kind of work in terms of glute power, core strength, and, and overhead stability. I reckon he'll be like 240 overhead. He's got crazy potential. He needs to improve in terms of fitness. Um, his fitness has been has been a little bit of a, a factor in some competitions. Massive. So he's lost a lot of points through through those. Yeah, and just kind of basic kind of lack of training on certain things. You know, certain events you can just see he doesn't know what he's doing. I've seen him on the dumbbell, which is something he's very strong at. But if you watch, say, Achilleskovsky, who's very again methodical, technically you know very efficient on on something like that if he had that kind of technique it's crazy to think what he could do with, with those type of events and i just think it's just kind of tidying up a little bit in certain areas he's going to really step up a, a few levels yeah it's it's quite phenomenal to think you know when you give these guys uh, a few years i think for, for a guy like bibby although he has all of this strength and he has the ability I feel like for him, it makes sense to maybe take a year out or uh, uh, 18 months out, work really, really hard with a coach, spend a bit of time over here or take a, get a coach out there to work with him and just say, look, let's really batten down the hatches. Let's get to work on your technique. Let's get a few pounds off of you because although he's big, I think if he drops, it, if he drops a few kilos, it's only going to help. I spoke to him about his diet, and he'll literally eat one or two meals a day. That's it. <laughs> and you just think, 
as a professional oh. athlete, you know, how are you 180 kilos to start with? And, um, you know, in terms of fueling your workouts and stuff like that, it just doesn't make sense. But he's just a freak of nature. Is someone injecting him with sugar water in his sleep? <laughs> that's, that's utterly absurd. Jesus, yes. I would hate to see the size of those meals. <laughs> it's like a small cow on a plate yeah. for, each, for each one. Well, he, he's honestly a, a lovely guy with it as well. You know, you see these freaks of nature, he is just genuinely a really, really nice guy with it. Yeah, so, so, so sweet. And I think that's another thing that just so many of the strongmen fit that bill of just just big, friendly giants. You know, <laughs> look scary, look terrifying from the outside, and then you speak to them and you're like, oh my God, you're, you're, you're just a big softie really, aren't you? This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a secret that no one wants to tell. So funny. Um, it's uh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about. We've got Britons coming up. We've got lots and lots and lots of contenders coming into the mix now. And I feel like every year it's a competition that's just, it's it in and of itself is becoming a little bit crazy. Uh, we've oh, got sorry. Waking up a little bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 it's all good. I have a very funny feeling it's because my girlfriend's probably on Netflix, but hey, hey. Just broke up a second. <laughs> it's all good. Right, is that better? I think so, yeah. Yeah, that seems good. Cool, cool, cool. So, uh, yeah, Britons this year, I feel like there is a, a ton of contention. You've got lots and lots of names that are going into the hat now, and I feel like every year it's a case of the the previous year names stay there and we just keep on adding more athletes into the, the top contender spot. I mean, it's, how do you even pick it going into this year? Uh, I think it's going to be between three guys for the title. Okay. And I think there's a lot of guys that can do very well. Um, and certainly be fighting for the top five positions, but I think the top three is going to be between the Stoltman brothers and Bish. I think, um, in terms of it, they've got the experience, the events that I've been told suit the three of them. And um, there's, there's, there's a lot of other guys that are good at certain events, but I think those three will be the guys contending for the, for the title. And between the three, I couldn't tell you who I think will win. I think it's going to be a hell of a battle. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I think it's really nice that we're at a point now where we're getting these competitions where there isn't a clear favorite going in. You know, you can back anyone, but realistically on the day with the correct conditions, you know, you can have people pulling it out of the bag. And I think we saw that with, you know, performances like Ben Brunnings recently, just coming out of nowhere and just showing that, you know, on a good day with the events that suit you, it is anyone's game and you cannot take your foot off the pedal for a second in the sport. If you can kind of perform at your best and someone makes a mistake or something like that, you know, it's, it's I, I beat Thor, <laughs> Europe's strongest man. I wouldn't go around saying I'm better than him. <laughs> I, you know, I was awesome on that day. He made a mistake and I capitalised on it. Hell yeah. And that, that sport, you know, we don't know who's going to win. People sometimes get upset with me with my predictions and stuff, but that, that's the fun thing about sport. We don't know who's going to win. If we did, it would be boring. You know, we're all entitled to our opinions, and I've, I've got my opinions of who I think will do well at, at Britain's. Uh, you know, thinking about the events, I think the log could be a big factor for Bish because there's so many good log lifters competing. If he can't score big points on that, it's going to cost him. But 
you know, there's there's weaknesses for all three of like the big names. I mean, Luke's deadlift is probably a little bit of a weakness. I think at British level, it's not so much of a weakness. It's more yeah, in like the, the level, big yeah. But um, you know, there's 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 always kind of mistakes that can be made on events, and you know, you've got to perform on the day. That's what it's all about. Yeah, that's the thing. It's whoever shows up and wants it and is hungry for it. And I think that's the thing that we've seen out of. Uh, the Stoltman brothers is that they've really come into their own in terms of that they just they look like they really want it now and Tom is super super hungry he has the potential there he has Luke behind him and I think it this I think this year is the year where he has really kind of gone into a league of his own he's worked super hard in the off season and I think I'm really excited to see where he is next season because I just I, I honestly think that if he can if he can double up like he has done this season Dude, I, th- I think he can easily be pushing up the same numbers as Thor can. Oh, he, he's, he's got, got to stay got consistent. Physique, he? You know, he's, he's, he's got the height, the, the, the build, and the confidence is growing now. I sort of I, I felt like people put too much pressure on him a few years ago, and he needed that time to progress, and he, he's done that this year. You know, this year and the last year, he's really gone away and worked hard. I think the best thing that happened to him, he did badly at the Brits two years ago, and he sort of was disappointed with it, but he went away and worked hard. And he's come back, you know, unbelievably good. His his build is just awesome. I mean, you watch him lift stones. It's just like they're toys. He throws them up like they're nothing. His deadlift strength has improved. His pressing strength's improved. There's no, other than his grip, there's no big gaping weakness in his performance anymore. And to be fair, he reminds me of Thor because Thor's grip was weak for a while. And he, he went away and, you know, then Thor became the freak that we all know him to be and yeah, Tom's got that potential to be that kind of level. What does he need? Just a couple more years of training. So he's, you think it's pretty... just a time thing? You think he just needs to mature in the sport? He needs to get a few more high-level comps under his belt, working uh, around these guys? Uh, 10 kilos here or there on his lifts, you know, which comes with time. He's still very, very young. Um, making sure he doesn't get injured is going to be a big key factor. Um... I'd say grip needs a bit of work, but then again, it depends if the events are going to involve grip or not. You know, we had a, a period of time where there was no grip events at all for for years, so it, it just depends. They've kind of come back in a bit now, and it's given someone like Mark Felix a revival, but we had like five or six years where there was just no grip events. So it, it just it all depends on events with, with so many of the guys. I've said that many times. I mean, I, I, I feel with the right events, I can compete against anyone in the world. I feel... Terry Hollands with the right events can compete against anyone in the world. Yeah. Mark Felix can. The guys that separate themselves are the guys like Thor, Brian Shaw, Zadrunas, where it doesn't matter what events you throw at them, they're still the best guys in the world. And that's um, you know, that's that's when you know you're really one of the absolute best guys. You know, when you, you can just have any event thrown at you and, and you can compete. For me, I'm not at that level. I need the right events. You know, if there's a yoke and farmers walk, grip events, squats, deadlifts. I'm good with those type of events. Even like if I'm going to press, I'd rather have like a Viking press or an axle as opposed to like a log or, or say a dumbbell. With Thor, Brian Shaw, Zadrunas at his best, it really didn't matter what event they threw it. You know, they're, they're just that good at everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, these guys that like Tom, I think Tom, Luke, Bish, Hixie, they've all beaten each other this year at different events. You know, it all comes down to the event selection and who's the best on the day. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It's uh, it's going to be a real, real battle, and I think next season is 
it's it's really really exciting because I think it we're gonna get to a point now where everyone can go away and they have a few months to work on the injuries and people can get the rehabilitation that they need because especially towards the end of the season it just becomes a little bit of a mess. You know, it's, yeah, and it's 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 not always necessarily a case of who is the strongest man, but it is who is the less injured man. Uh, and I think that is that's one area that, from an outside perspective, I feel like needs to kind of be looked at. And I feel like there needs to be some kind of uh, not not governing body, but I feel like there needs to be some overarching sense of. Uh, different people setting up time frames for competitions and saying, you know, we've got this here, we've got this here, we've got this here. I feel like we're getting months where there's like, you're hitting like two or three major international competitions in one month and then you're going one month, maybe you have one and then the next month you have three and you're like, I th- organizers just need to communicate because it's bad for the sport because then people aren't performing on the day at events, which doesn't make the <laughs> events look as popular. You get guys at the Giants Live guys set their dates a year in advance so we know when you're you know we, we know when the brits is we know when the europe's strongest man is we know when the competition at the royal albert hall is we know when manchester is they've all been set whereas world's strongest man will throw their competition they'll give us like three months notice sometimes less than that and you know like this year world's strongest man was just like a few weeks before the competition in wembley so it's difficult for the guys but as an athlete i think you just got to select what you want to do you know, it's, I guess, like being like a fighter or something like that. You can't be competing all the time. You've got to be selective. Pick the shows that you feel are, are going to benefit you the most and, and give you the most recognition, I guess. And there's there's so many promoters now as well, which makes things awkward again. But it's it's a, it's a very difficult situation. You know, you can't you can't really have a governing body because there's three or four different, various different kind of promoters out there or organisations promoting shows. Um, but I think, you know, as long as it's entertaining the crowds, as long as people have the free will to compete where they want, uh, it's not too much of an issue. We, we've got to focus more on being an entertaining sport rather than like an Olympic sport. Uh, I don't think Strongman's ever going to kind of go down that route. I think it's better going down the sort of UFC, WWE style, you know, promotions, if you like, competing in arenas and having, you know, Big crowds and big audiences, and it's a it's that's a case the, of the people come out to see personalities. Yeah, having those personalities makes it interesting. That's what people, you know, want to see. If you just did ten guys lifting a weight, you know, and it all all, all the same, it, yeah, it it's gets like a powerlifting meet. Yeah, <laughs> which if you've ever seen them, they don't look they don't look particularly <laughs> interesting most of the time. Is watch a grip competition. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's basically Rob Frampton's timeline at the moment, isn't it? I'm going to go down and train with Rob soon, do some grip together. Oh, so. man, that would be awesome. I love that. Love that. So with um, the competitions, there are... So going through it in my head, you've got like the World Ultimate Strongman, which you just come back from in Dubai. You've kind of got um, the promoters like Glenn with uh, UKs. The Giants Live guys... And then is the official strongman, uh, is that, are they paired with the World's Strongest Man Touchy Palace stuff? Is that technically one company? No, or are they two, they're are they all run... paired with the Giants Live guys. Okay, so that's the, the official strongman is the feeder through into the Giants Live, and then the World's Strongest Man is just invite only? Uh, no. 
it's it, Giants live shows are qualifiers for World's Strongest Man. Okay. Um, but the organizations are nothing to do with each other. They just this work is what together. confuses me because there, there's there's no actual <laughs> linking connection. It's just people also, going. What also confuses people is the TV line when it's shown on TV in kind of December, because there's no real continuity in terms of when things actually happened. So it can be quite confusing. But yeah, World's Strongest Man is run by a TV company called IMG. So their top of the food chain, World's Strongest Man, is you know that's the show everyone wants to be at. Or well, certainly they did. I, uh, well, that's I, an interesting point, Lawrence. Uh, we're going to have to hop off here. Why is that? So, I'm, like, because I, I've spoken to loads of people behind the scenes, and I'm not going to name names, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus, but I have heard on the grapevine that, that World's Strongest Man is not the same title, and it doesn't hold the same kind of uh, name that it did, just because of the way that the competitions are being run. There are lots of things that can be done better. I don't want to kind of come across as bitching about World's Strongest Man because it's been great to me and it's given me an opportunity to compete. And genuinely, I was a huge fan of World's Strongest Man before I ever competed there. It was my the issue, one, wasn't it? That was, that was the start. World's Strongest Man is it's not growing with the times in terms of, you know, the sport is growing. World's Strongest Man should be trying to grow with it. And I feel, I mean, unfortunately, it's a TV company at the end of the day and it's, it's budgeted, you know, they get a set budget. They've only got a certain amount of money to play with. Unfortunately, that's reduced this year. So, you know, things aren't as good as they could have been. But, you know, they, they need to be able to sell their product to different kind of TV companies and countries to make money from it. Well, it's interesting so, you say that because then you've got Colin and, and the guys over at Giants Live, which are going down the other route of doing the live streams, the pay-per-views. They've got the official Strongman. Obviously, if you guys haven't got your subscription already, that's an awesome site to go and watch all the shows on there too. In this day and age, that's the way to go. You know, who wants to wait till Christmas to watch a Strongman show? That, like, if you think we're not going to, we're not going to see Britain's Strongest Man from this year until December. Almost that's, twelve so, months after it's happened. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's ridiculous. Can you imagine the FA Cup final being shown 11 months after it could have happened? Or, or like the 100-meter final at the Olympics? It's just stupid. <laughs> and I, I I don't agree with it, especially with, you know, back when there was four channels, it was a little bit different. And there was no internet to find out results. And World's Strongest Man was basically like Gladiators. It was a TV show that... You know, the gladiators just happened, you know, for a few weeks of the year and they recorded it all and then they, they put it out on TV, ITV over, you know, a set period of time. And World's Strongest Man was like that for a, for a long time. It was literally big, strong freaks from different sports getting together and having a crack at this kind of crazy competition. Whereas now, Strongman is a sport that is, you know, you get from grassroots level right up to the elite. There's big kind of promoters. You've got the comps like the Arnold's. You've got the, um, the Wuss competition. You know, a handful of other kind of competitions throughout the year. The Giants live shows. There's, there's loads of big shows. You know, people always say to me, people that don't know about the sport, they're like, oh, you're going to do Strongman again. Not realizing that I compete throughout the year in different shows. They just kind of think it's that TV show on at Christmas. But Strongman has evolved from that. And when you look at sports like CrossFit and, you know, other sports that have done so well in the kind of same kind of, you know, eventy type things that we do in Strongman, I think we need to be kind of copying those type of kind of plans rather than sticking with the same thing that we, you know, when World's Strongest Man was popular on channel or BBC One back in the 80s and that kind of time, 
you had 20 million people viewing like Jeff Cakes with World's Strongest Man. But now 20 million people don't watch one channel. They'll watch TV when they want to watch it. They'll watch kind of live streams. They'll pay, do pay-per-views, like you say, if you're interested in a sport. And I think that's the way it needs to go. You know, you look at the UFC, the way they do things and the way they've kind of grown the UFC over the last 10 years is incredible. Yeah, 100%. And it's interesting that you use the name CrossFit there because that's, I mean, that's another thing that I've kind of spoken to Rob about before and kind of said, you know, where do you think that this is going? And he's even mentioned, you know, I think the, the direction that we're looking at is we're looking at these big arenas where you've got, it's not just like head to head, but it's very similar to the kind of the, the team championships that we had on not too long ago. The whole kind of uh, concept that maybe instead of having two people running farmers, you've got six, eight, 10, 12 yeah, competitors. Yeah. You know, you've got, you've got pools of like 20, 30 of literally the strongest men in the world that are just battling it out. I'd like to see world's strongest man. Get rid of the groups, have 20 guys there, 20 best guys in the world. And go head to head over eight or ten events, and just do it on points. Yeah, so twenty points for first, you know, one point for last. Then you have nowhere to hide. You can't set up event or competitions to favour certain athletes because there, there's too many events to to kind of you know protect yourself. And you genuinely then find out who's the best guy in the world. I don't feel with five events you can decide who the best in the world is. If you look at sports like snooker or darts. The short formats are great, and you get a lot of shock results in the short formats. But the longer formats is where you find the best players tend to win, and that's you know. I'd like to see the same in strongman, and I'm certainly not saying it would benefit me. I just think as an athlete and as a fan, you're going to get a genuine competition. There's more chance for characters and people to shine on certain events that they're good at. You know, you get some athletes that are great log lifters, but they're not so good at other things. And the way World Strongest Man is shown at the moment. If you're not fighting for the, you know, for that title, you could win an event and they might not show you on TV because you're not in the contention in terms of overall, all, you know, top three. Yeah, and which is obviously completely wrong and, and not really kind of... A few it's... years ago, um, they didn't show Mike Burke's overhead. And I think he won it or he was second on it. That's just mental. It's absolutely mental. So, so what do you... Because the the thing is, obviously, you have so many different competitions in terms of, you know, you have your Arnold's, your UK's, you have all of this sort of stuff. And, and each competition, I feel like, has, like, they have their own following, but they also have, like, their own places in every strongman's heart. And I feel like that, you know, as much as World's Strongest Man, the title is the World's Strongest Man, people don't always necessarily feel like the world's strongest man dictates who the strongest man in the world actually is. And we've looked back at previous years where, you know, the Arnold's have been surmountably heavier than the competitions that we've had at, at, at world's strongest man. And people have kind of said, well, you know, realistically, you know, this is the most weight being lifted. Is this the true test of strength? So for, for you, what kind of, where is your ranking of, of, of those competitions and what are the ones that, if you if you could hop into a competition and just smash it, which title is the one that is going to mean the most to you? Right. In terms of titles, World's Strongest Man is still number one. That holds those the most impact in terms of titles to have, because who doesn't want to call themselves the World's Strongest Man? Yeah. I've won a world title in Strongman. I've won the Ultimate Strongman World Championships. So I've won a World Championships, but it's not really like the pinnacle of the sport if you know what i mean you know i'd probably say my europe strongest man win is better than my world title win 
even though there was good guys there, I beat guys like Zadrunas, Janasha, you know, Misha Shivlikov. There was great guys there, but it's not kind of, you know, it's, it's like boxing and having like one of the lesser important belts. I think the way to, for, for me, kind of picking the absolute best guys. I mean, you look at it like in terms of tennis, I guess, with like the Grand Slams, you look at the best guys are the guys that can win everything. So someone like Zadrunas, who's won everything, to me, is the greatest strongman of all time. You know, he's won the Arnold's eight times. He's won World's Strongest Man four times. He's won the IFSA World's Strongest Man twice. So technically, he's a six-time World's Strongest Man. Um, he's won literally every show there is to win. That, to me, describes the greatest of all time. And, you know, the records that he's held as well, the amount of records he's broken, his longevity in the sport. Uh, I will always say right now, he, he's the best of all time. Whether he's the best right now, you know, he's clearly not the best right now. But for, for me, he's the best strongman of all time. And I, I, I give him that title because he's won everything. All the big major titles he's won. So if you've just won one major title, how can you kind of class yourself as the best, especially if there's only five events in that final? You know, it's, you were the best on the day. And, you know, I, 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 I won Europe's strongest man. I'm claiming it was a win. But I won't go around saying I'm the best in the world because of one win. I think you need that consistency. Guys like Brian Shaw, guys like Zadrunas, guys like Thor, they, they've done it time. Bill Kazmaier back in the day, you know, even like maybe in the 90s and early 2000s, guys like Sven Carlson, they, they won lots of competitions at different events. You know, that's how you kind of see who is the best. I don't think one event is enough. And while we don't have any event that, you know, even the, I love the, I love all the shows, genuinely. I love Strongman. You know, I like watching the Arnolds. I like watching World's Strongest Man. I like watching the Giants live shows. There's no one show that I would say is the most important. World's Strongest Man in terms of titles, because it is the title everyone wants. But I, I think as it depends what you're after. I mean, some people don't even remember the guys that win the Arnolds. Like Lalas won the Arnolds. Lalas is one of the best strongmen of you know of the modern era, but not so many people know about him because he never won Worlds. I think winning Worlds... Into the, you look at someone like Eddie Hall who broke the 500 kilo deadlift record and he won World's Strongest Man he didn't actually win that many strongman titles but that one World's Strongest Man title has kind of set him up and you know in terms of the public knowing who you are World's Strongest Man is is the most important yeah well it's, it's interesting that you, that you say that because I was I was thinking about this not too long ago and you know there's there's always going to be people that are going to take this out of context but as as incredible as as Eddie Hall has been with his career and with the titles that he's won, from an actual competitive strongman perspective, if you don't know about it, then you're not quite really aware of it because it's just whatever you see on social media. But from a strongman perspective, that there are many other strongmen that have won multiple forms of the titles that Eddie has back to back years after years. Uh, and actually, you know, there there are people that uh, I mean, still that are competing today that have won those titles over and over again, and are still in contention to to keep on winning them now. Which to 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 me, like that's what I love about strongmen. Like that they're, they're guys that they just want to be strong. They don't just want that title and then want to go and do whatever. Like they're there because they just love this and they want to come back every year and they want a chance to be the world's strongest man again. And I th yeah. I love that. And the thing, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with both. Thanks, baby. I don't think there's anything wrong with the way Eddie did it. Eddie was a very determined man, put everything into winning World's Strongest Man, and he achieved his goal. Whereas for someone like myself, I just genuinely love strongman. 
So I'm not fussed about kind of going into movies and doing other stuff. I just love strongman. I like competing. I like challenging myself. Take someone like Zadrunas. He just likes challenging himself. And, you know, obviously he's won so many things. And to still want to do it as a Zadrunas level um, with Zadrunas' background kind of baffles me sometimes because I think you've done everything. What is there left to kind of achieve? But he still just enjoys it. Whereas Eddie and some of the other guys, they want to kind of move on to something else. And I don't think there's anything wrong with either way. It depends on the person that you are. But it's it's just kind of, you know, that they're all great athletes. It's just everyone's different, I guess. And for me, it's it's, it's a passion that I have. You know, I, I love what we do. I love kind of being around it and, and trying to make it grow and get better. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's a case of that you have to try and figure out in your head as well, you know, how long do you want your career to be? Uh, do you do you want the longevity of being, you know, a, a Mark Felix where you've been competing for the best part of like 20, 30 years? Do you want to come in? Do you want to claim that title? And then do you want to leave and then move on to something else? And then you then obviously those two paths are very, very different. And you have to try and figure out which one is, is, is going to work for you because you can't you can't rush these things. But... No, the guys that tend to rush things tend to have shorter careers. That's something I've I've noticed. But again, it's got to be personal choice to to what kind of level you're going to push your body to, and and that's you know everyone's different there. But for guys like Mark, for myself, for guys like Terry Hollings, we've had long careers and we're still competing and still enjoying it. And what's the what's the reason that you think that you guys because you you guys have competed against. It must be in the thousands now of, of strongmen that have come and gone that you have seen, whether it's grassroots and even at a competitive level, you know, people come and go every single season. You know, there, there are people that have competed almost on a, on a world standard stage and you kind of go, who? What was that yeah. name? They did that one competition once in 2003 and then no, no one ever knows about them again. Um, yeah. What? is different about you guys compared to all of these other people that have fallen by the wayside what are you doing differently man not giving up when things kind of go wrong i think is probably the biggest i've seen a lot of people get one injury and that's it they're done they're like oh i can't you know there may be they're probably expecting more from the sport than than the guys like myself terry and felix who started back when there was nothing in the sport anyway you know we started for for the enjoyment of it and and the, the fun there was no money at all when we started Strongman. There was no kind of fame from Instagram or anything like that because there was no Instagram or Facebook when we started. You know, when Mark started, there was no internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one's recording any sets on a yeah. on, on a mobile phone. Well, that's for sure. Have use social media now. <laughs> but um, you know, we just—I I think we're all—we're just three guys that like training in the gym, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think sometimes now people kind of start the gym and they have to label themselves as something rather than just enjoying training in the gym. You know, for, for, for me, I joined the gym and it was just fun. And then I tried a strongman comp and I got better at strongman. But you'll get guys now, they're a strongman. They've never competed, but they're a strongman or they're yeah. a powerlifter. Yeah, yeah. They, haven't, they haven't entered a novice competition yet, but they have, uh, they have, they have like powerlifter or they have strongman in their Instagram bio. And you go... What you've only ever picked up a forty-seven kilo log, like yeah, 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 that doesn't count. You're not allowed to say that. I've got nothing against people wanting to do. So I, I play darts on a Thursday night for a local club. I don't go around saying I'm a darts player on <laughs> social media. 
And I wouldn't expect a Sunday league football player to kind of say the same, you know, when they're playing one football match on a Sunday. It's just go and enjoy it, you know. Do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But you don't have to live your life just through social media just because you kind of have a hobby. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's people good. are almost taking the enjoyment out of it. They're 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 doing it because they want to be like part of a team. To be professional, you know, they want to be recognised for it. They want to kind of have that following and and you know the the kind of stuff that comes with celebrity kind of status, if you like. But I can promise <laughs> nothing much changes. You know, it's people stop you in the street. You have to sign a few more autographs, and yeah, yeah you get yeah, waved at uh, and. But, you know, you still got to get home and do your chores and, you know, change the baby's nappies and stuff like that. It's um, it's also, it's kind of a weird experience when you go from competing in huge crowds and, you, you know, you're, you're so focused on your competition, you've built up to it, you have these huge fans kind of following you, and then suddenly you're sort of back in back at home and just chilling out like any normal person. It, it's, it's strange for a lot of people, but I've always been quite grounded anyway. I, I never really see myself as a celebrity. I'm just a freak that's good at what I do. You know, I'm I'm good at lifting stuff up and putting it back down. It's it's about as simple as it is. You know, I'm not I'm not really impressed by celebrity anyway. If I'm honest with you, it's not what impresses me. I think know, it has a different meaning in this day and age, doesn't it? I think like when you were a younger man, the 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 idea of celebrity, even like. 10, 15, 20 years ago, a, a celebrity back then is very, very different to what you would class yeah, well, like celebrity, a celebrity now. Do something back then, like be a singer or, you know, be a, a, an actor or something like that. It's kind of, it's different now, but... Now you can take a photo of your ass and put it on Instagram and you're a celebrity. <laughs> and... I don't know if I'd be a celebrity. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm sure there are a few sites that would take those photos. A hundred percent. We'll keep that for when everything else goes tits up. <laughs> It's interesting. So, how you, you talk about the fa the family thing? I think that's a really interesting point to to kind of hop off because obviously the 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 life that that you've had and the amount of dedication that you've had to put into training, that you've had to put into nutrition, that you've had to devote to things that obviously takes you away from your family. How does that work? Like, how has the relationship been with like your other half? Like, has it has it been hard at points because you have that stress? Like, because obviously it's just another I'll contributing factor. Here. How, how's our relationship been with me doing strongman? Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's times when it's hard, particularly when I'm training and like deep into kind of like a, a, a training camp for, for big competitions um, where, you know, it, it, it can, I, I've, I think, I, especially as I've got older, I've been much better at sort of not getting so stressed. I think when I was younger, it was more you know, strongman was everything. Whereas as I've got older and you have kids and stuff like that, priorities change. So, you know, now there's more important things to me than strongman. Whereas in my twenties, you know, especially like when I was starting out, it was all I cared about. You know, it was, it was everything. It was all I thought about. Whereas now I can switch off completely from strongman and then just go to a competition and enjoy it. And actually it helps me a lot because I'm quite relaxed at competitions Whereas sort of when you're younger, you're so nervous and uptight and you kind of, I think the fact that I can relax more now, it definitely helps me and it helps our relationship as well, doesn't it? I'm probably a lot more chilled than I used to be. It's Even, not really a nightmare. No. <laughs> Even like, I mean, the worst time for me is when I get injured, but even now when I get injured, I'm a lot better than I used to be. Yeah. I, I, I think because... Because I've gone through that process so many times, I just know that it's not the end of the world. Okay, you tore your bicep. 
shit happens. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's two options. Give up or start looking at ways to improve and recover and come back again. That's, that's your two options. You don't have any other options, you know. So there's no point in sitting there crying about it. And I have guys that, oh, my arm hurts today in the gym. Well, this is strong, man. It's going to hurt. You know, be the same if you're a professional in any sport. Things are going to hurt. You know, you're pushing your body to those limits. It's tough. I mean, I've got people, you know, they say, oh, I can't do a switch grip deadlift, a mixed grip deadlift, because I've got the biggest fear of tearing my bicep. If your biggest fear is tearing your bicep, this sport's not for you. It's <laughs> simple as that. Yeah, yeah. I think that that was kind of one thing that I was kind of blessed with coming across from, from a very high standard of rugby. I, You know, I was... <clears throat> playing with guys that you know they're having their knees replaced at 16 years of age you know i i've i've torn my pec i've torn torn the cruciate ligaments in my knee i've done meniscus damage i've i've done a lot of things and i've busted my body before i got over so social media as well you can get criticized for for pushing yourself in the gym you know people are so kind of conscious of technique and stuff like that and i'm not saying it's a bad thing it's good to be kind of conscious of those things but when you are competing as an athlete at a high level you cannot go in being safe. <laughs> okay, so in, in the gym, you should be sensible. You should be trying to sort of, you know, progress. But when you compete, the, the best analogy I've got of it is imagine being in a Formula One race and saying to yourself, right, I'll drive 10 miles an hour slower just so I don't crash. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So so I'll get up to last. third gear and we'll see how we go from there. <laughs> so if you're competing as a strength athlete against the best guys in the world and you go in and you're like, oh, I'll go 85% today, you're going to come last. You have to go to that 100%. And when you go to the 100%, of course there's a chance that something can go wrong. That's the same in any sport. You can have terrible injuries playing football. You can have terrible injuries in rugby particularly. I mean, you know that yourself. I played rugby to a high level as well. It's a tough sport. You know, tennis, There's guys, you get repetitive strain injuries playing table tennis. There's always injuries in sport. It's just part of what you do. People that go running injure themselves. You know, it's just... Something that, you know, is, is something will happen if you're going to push to the highest level. I don't know any top-level strongman that's never had an injury. Yeah, but not also one. you can equally also put your back out getting something out of the kitchen cupboard. Of course you can. And I'm not saying go out there and be an idiot and do stupid things and, and you know, lift with terrible technique because, of course, you're going to hurt yourself then. But yeah. you can take all the precautions in the world and you can still get injured. So if you're worried about that, do something else. <laughs> And yeah, you still yeah, got a chance of getting into doing that anyway. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that kind of, I've seen, I've been around the sport for a long time. You see a lot of new people kind of criticize certain things that people do. And then three months later, they get injured themselves anyway. You know, it's it's a tough sport. There's, you know, think, things go wrong sometimes. But you've got to pick yourself up, mentally be strong, look at new ways to improve all the time, you know, focus on the recovery, focus on good technique, etc and come back because you know a lot of us have proved that you can come back from these disappointments yeah and you know we live in we live in a, in a day and age where we have access to the most amount of technology and information that we do now there are constant new ways that uh that we can help with our recovery that we're finding out about we're able to run more scientific analysis on certain movements yeah. to give us better bang for our buck and we're just becoming more aware of you know 
how our bodies should be and how they should feel and what we can do to do that and there's such a vast wealth of knowledge you know i can hop on instagram now and find 20 different physio accounts that can give me all of the information that i need to be able to mobilize my hips properly and my shoulders so i think it's almost getting to a stage now where there isn't really an excuse to not be doing these things and i think it you know we can see it because you've got these guys that are going through much longer periods of time where they're not getting injured they're constantly progressing because they're not having to take their foot off of the pedal to do rehab stuff and they're making it to the world stage and you know in a couple of years of, of competing at a, at a top level and i think yep. more more of us need to become more aware of actually you know what maybe a bit of yoga here and there and a bit of pilates and a bit of body balance is actually quite I tried good for pilates you one. Just the old women were laughing at me, so I didn't go back. <laughs> Dude, anyone that says that yoga is easy has quite obviously never been to a yoga class. I go every yeah. week, and it is the hardest 45 minutes of my really? life. I would rather do a PR deadlift every week than try and go into that class. I hate it, but every single time that I step out of the class, I feel a thousand times better, and my body is better, and I know that I'm going to be better when I go into my lifts for the rest of the week. And I think people just need to start paying attention to that sort of stuff more. It's simple stuff, but if you do do the simple stuff well, I mean, you're the I'm perfect. A of, I'm a yeah. big fan of simple stuff. I think people overcomplicate way too many things. I think if you get your, your nutrition right, you get your rest and recovery right, and your training, you're going to make big, big progress. Yeah. Too many yeah. people look at all the kind of 1% things rather than getting the basics right. Yeah, yeah. Talking, about, I was t- talking to, to to Nate Harvey about this on on a, another podcast, saying that it tends to be a case of now that everyone's so worried about their side dishes and their accessory work that they've forgotten about the main course. You know, the the the, the bread and butter of what you're actually meant to be doing is that we're we're still so focused on this mobilization and this stability and that this, and it's like, well, actually, can you squat? Yes or no? No? Well, then you need to get better at squatting. Yes? Well, you still need to get better at squatting and then do that stuff as well. Yeah. You know, exactly that. People kind of talk about like supplements or kind of, you know, weird exercises and stuff like that. Just get the basics right. You get the basics right, you're going to progress. Then you can look at those little things. Like I I will look at little things at my level because 1% makes a difference at the top level. But 1% when you're at the bottom level doesn't make a difference at all. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's a case of that if you haven't got to the top of, of your game, of where you are, then there's no need for you to then be trying to find these 1% or 2% increments because it doesn't make a blind bit of difference. It takes away from what you should be focusing on anyway. So, you know, if you're working full-time, you've only got an hour and a half or two hours to be in the gym, why spend an hour warming up on and doing all these kind of stupid little kind of warm-up exercises when... You could warm up in five, six, you know, five, ten minutes and you get on with the, the stuff that you should be focused on. It's, you know, it's the same with food. You know, people are like, oh, what, what, what kind of supplements shall I take? Eat food. It's better for you. You're going to, you know, grow more. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, what's the point of spending like an extra hundred pounds on supplements when you're not even hitting your basic protein count at all? You know, you're eating processed crap food that isn't going to do anything for you. Don't worry about spending that 50 quid correct what you're doing here and your performance is going to get better without that stuff anyway and even like the recovery side of things i mean i'm a big big fan of uh, chiropractic treatment and physio and stuff like that but get your sleep right sleep is when you're recovering so get that right first and then you can start looking at other things you know i I would say chiropractic treatment is better than physio for, for a strong man particularly 
chiros that kind of do muscle function tests and, and get the kind of central nervous system kind of firing right and the, the signal that goes to all the different joints um, is something I've kind of taken a lot more time in as I've got later on in my career, but it's something that definitely helps. But if if you can get your sleep right, if you can get your nutrition and hydration right, hydration is very important. That's something that kind of gets overlooked quite a bit. But food, hydration, sleep, and training. You get those things right, you're going to progress and be very good. Yeah, 100%. And uh, just just to kind of wrap things up, right? So I asked the same same question to everyone, so it's going to be interesting to see what you say to this. So I uh, I want you to imagine that we're, we're taking a trip back in time and you're going to visit your, your younger self. So you're kind of 10, 11, 12 years of age. And you get to spend a couple of moments with your younger self and you get to look into your eyes and you get to deliver and part one bit of wisdom, knowledge, information that is going to help your younger self to get through all of the hardships and crap that you've had to go through in your life to get to where you are today in your life. What advice, help, information do you give to yourself? That's a, that would be a good thing to be able to do. <laughs> I, I would say, like... I would make sure to my younger self, I kind of made listen to everyone and, and be uh, take little things from, from lots of people. You know, it's, there's so much information out there kind of now that you can really confuse yourself, but you've got to be kind of smart enough to kind of go with your gut instincts and, and feel what works for you. And I've, I've in the past kind of like tr experimented with different things and I often end up going back to what I kind of believe in myself rather than kind of going for the different fads that are available and popular at the time. So I, I think I'll go back and, you know, listen to everyone, take advice in, but, but kind of you know, pick little things from each person, figure out what's the best thing for you. And, and at the end of the day, just go with your heart because there's so many other influences, you know, friends, family, et cetera, et cetera. There's plenty of people that told me I shouldn't do strongman. You know, it's a waste of time. You kind of waste, you know, I've been told all that kind of stuff before. And, you know, 10 years later, I became, you know, Europe's strongest man. I competed at World's Strongest Man 11 times, broken world records, won countless international and national titles. So I've done okay in, in a sport that I love and I was told not to do. I'm sure Eddie Hall was told he'll, he'll never be World's Strongest Man. He'll never deadlift 500 kilos. You've got to go with your gut instinct, believe you're capable of things, but be humble with it. Focus on small goals. Don't kind of, you know, have the big goals, but focus on the small goals to get there. I think... In terms of lifting, a lot of people have these big, huge goals, and they're so focused on the big goal, they don't break it down into smaller chunks. I think um, the last bit of advice I'd kind of give myself would just be to, to to not rush things. Take your time. I probably would have been further ahead in my career if I didn't rush things, and I could have avoided a few injuries. I tried to come back from injuries a little bit too quickly when I was younger and ended up getting injured again. Um, and it's something I kind of advise a lot of the younger guys now. I would have made myself compete a lot less, but things we can live and learn from. Um, and hopefully, I can pass on some useful. Yeah, 100%. So, That's why I ask it. It's, it's so fascinating to hear everyone's different stories because people approach it from all different kind of angles. But it's very interesting because there there tends to be very similar underlying veins of of truth throughout all of them, which I, I always find that's very, very fascinating. And it, a lot of it is, you know, going with your gut instinct and, and, and feeling things for yourself and doing what's right for you and 
not listening to, to everyone else. So I love that. Man, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really, really appreciate it. I mean, I, I could literally speak to you all night, but I understand that your other half probably wants to spend some time with you today. <laughs> so I will uh, I will give in to her and I will, I'll, I'll no hand you back over. So thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. No problem, buddy. Take it easy. Have a thank good you. one. Bye-bye. Yes, bye.